It's time to travel with Anita. From across town to around the world, she covers it all. Spanning the globe for more than four decades, Anita has been to over 100 countries and territories and is the host of the Lowell Thomas Bronze Award-winning podcast, Quarter Miles Travel. From load transportation fares to travel insurance concerns, safety to savings, Anita gets you there and back with a smile along the way. Now, here's the host of Travel with Anita, Anita Thomas. Hello, 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 and welcome aboard Travel with Anita and Friends. Now you can be inspired to travel by many things, including quarters. And several years ago, I started featuring places to visit around the U.S. based on the U.S. Mint state quarters. I was so inspired by the designs on the back of the quarters to research and learn more about the places featured on the reverse side. And what I quickly realized was that the designs also represented places to travel and to see what makes each state unique. Really a great way to plan a nice getaway. And I'm sure many of you were, like me, collecting quarters and waiting with anticipation for the next design to be released. Well, that was back in the 1990s. And since the original quarter designs, the U.S. Men has also featured America the Beautiful Quarters and now the American Women's Program Quarters. And since the start of my podcast, Quarter Miles Travel, I've been fascinated by the results of my research to learn more about the designs on the quarters. And I've learned so much about a lot of things that I thought I already knew. But what I didn't know was all of the behind the scenes planning, research, preparation, and a really extensive amount of steps that the U.S. Mint staff puts into making each of the quarter programs. And let me just say here that many of the coins and medals too, so it's not just quarters. So I had a chance to have a long chat with Greg Wyman, who is the Senior Legal Counsel of the Department of Treasury. Now he has worked with each of the programs to help ensure that there is accuracy and that all of the proper steps are taken to produce the coins that inspire us so much. In my conversation with Greg, I want to share it with you. And he starts with sharing why the State Quarters Program was started. And he'll also go into telling us how the programs have also been very helpful for enhancing the U.S. Mint in a very modern way. So here's my conversation with Greg. Yeah, I, this, is, this is the very beginning of my time at the U.S. Mint. Um, uh, although I've been to the Treasury Department for more than 30 years, I came to the Mint in 1997, and by the time I got there, the 50-state quarter uh, program, the idea was well into its uh, development phase. And it's mm-hmm. interesting, There are. Um, it's hard to say whose idea it was first. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, good, great ideas have many mothers and fathers, um, and um, several have claimed um, uh, responsibility for the program. And so I cannot tell you exactly whose brainchild it was, but fundamentally, um, the objective was to um, increase the interest in numismatics, in collecting coins, and an interest in in coins and uh, the American history and the American values that that go on coins. And the United States coins in 19 19- in 97, when this came about, were fairly static. You know, we yeah. hadn't changed any of the designs 
on the penny, nickel, dime, quarter, half uh, in a long time. Um, and so this was a bit of a, a revolutionary idea to create um, coins with different images on the back that hopefully in young people, ideally children, um, yeah. school children would be interested in collecting. And hopefully this would uh, create an interest in collecting coins. Now we, I know that at the time the Mint was looking at the demographics of its core collectors, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was an older demographic. And the thought was, you know, uh, as somebody who might actually be in that demographic today, um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the worry was that uh, they might not be around in 25, 30, 30 years. And mm -hmm. that if coin collecting, which people at the Mint are fairly, feel fairly strongly about, was to go into the next generation, we probably needed a program that uh, would make it easier for people to get involved in coin collecting at the very simplest level, which is just looking for uh, new designs in their change, in their pocket, mm -hmm. and collecting it. And uh, it, uh, it far exceeded our expectations. Um, it, was just, uh, it was just amazing to be here at that time. Um, the publicity around the program was uh, was historic. Uh, at one point, there were just you know, millions of people, millions. They were pulling, they were pulling quarters out of circulation, yeah. and the number of quarters we were producing um, just uh, uh, went up significantly mm. uh, to the point that you know we were producing you know, well in excess. Of uh, well in excess of three billion quarters a year, wow! Um, if not more, so it was. And and yes, the Mint is an interesting uh, organization. You may or may not know this, but the Mint is does not rely on tax dollars. Uh, we are a self-funded organization. Um, we are so no, we we don't cost the taxpayers a penny. We actually cover all of our own costs. Through the through what we generate, and no, that doesn't mean literally taking coins off the floor. We it means we make money, really two ways, which are most significant. We make uh, a profit on our collectibles, uh, numismatic items, proof sets, uncirculated sets, commemorative coins, uh, medals, um, and that money, that profit goes to pay our expenses. And whatever's left over will go to offset the national debt, go back into the general fund. We also make revenue through what is called seniorage. And seniorage is an interesting concept that um, has been around long before we were a country. It's the idea that it costs us somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know what, I, don't quote me exactly what the number is. I think it's about 12 or 13 cents to make a quarter today. Oh. I know that back then it was like 11 cents, if I'm not mistaken. And that quarter essentially gets sold to the banking system for 25 cents, the face value. Mm -hmm. And so for every quarter that goes out into circulation but doesn't circulate back through, there it's not that's not a profit. Rather, that is a seniorage. Um, it's, think of it as a, you know, a debt that never quite gets collected. And mm -hmm. so with that seniorage that we make, 
that, you know, whether it be a 14 cents, 13 cents or 12 cents, we can also use that money to pay our expenses, to pay our bills and whatever's left over goes to offset the national debt. And so um, the 50 state quarter program was also very valuable at helping them pay its bills and mm -hmm. remain a um, an entity that does not have any cost to the taxpayers. That's really fascinating because it sounds like too, we learned a lot about the U.S. Mint through the quarters that people didn't know about or maybe didn't even really think about, you know, unless you're in school and learning how money is made or something like that. So. It's, you know, we're a very old organization. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the Mint in some predates the country. You know, it's it's one of our, it, is, it has been, and so we've been doing this a very, very long time. And, um, and this concept of seniorage has, has been around a very long time. But the, the 50 state quarter program beginning in 1999 really moved the mint into a, you know, a modern era of uh, being self-sufficient, performing its mission in a very modern way. Very fascinating. Well, I'll tell you, I was definitely one of those people that was taking quarters out of circulation. <laughs> I still have them in my booklets. And that's not all. Greg and I will continue our discussion about the U.S. Mint and their COIN programs. Head over to their website at usmint.gov where you'll find tabs to subscribe so you can get updates on the coins, when they're coming out, and how you can order them. Sign up for emails and text alerts too. Back in a minute here on Travel with Anita and Friends. inspired to travel by many things, even a quarter. Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. I want to continue my conversation with Greg Wyman, who is the Senior Legal Counsel with the U.S. Department of Treasury. He talks about how the designs on the back of the U.S. Mint State quarters were determined. But you know, I was always fascinated to know how did the states go about deciding on their design and also choosing what to design because there had to be some overlap. I know Ohio, North Carolina with the Wright brothers. So right. tell us a little bit about that. How, how did they decide on the designs? A little bit of infighting? Well, I wouldn't call it infighting. There, were, uh, there, there was a developing process, would be the best way to say it. The legislation, the authority that we had to make these new quarters, uh, gave the Secretary of the Treasury, which, which goes back to the Mint, pretty broad authority to decide what was going to be featured on the quarters. But... The Mint, at a very early stage, decided that we wanted the states to have a, an important role. And so we worked closely with the governor's office of every state that was going to be honored. And each state, um, at that time, set up a commission or some liaisons to work with the Mint to come up with themes for what was going to be featured on the coin for their state and then to work with us on developing designs for the coin. I say it was developing because remember, when we began this process, we hadn't done this before. Right. And uh, our, we, we did have a, as we do today, we did have a team of sculptor engravers on staff, medallic artists in Philadelphia, at Philadelphia Mint, 
But their job up until that point had fundamentally been to create designs for commemorative coins and for um, congressional gold medals. And so this was a significant ask for them. And, um, and we learned as we went. In other words, some of the things that we learned early on, we initially gave the states quite a bit of latitude, the governors quite a bit of latitude as to what they wanted to see in the quarter and how they were going to come about, how they were going to come up with designs. Some of the early states did in fact say, we have some artists in our state who we love to employ to come up with designs. And I think initially the Mint's feeling was to try to be as accommodating as, as absolutely possible. At some point, fairly early on, we had to pull back a little bit on that for what in retrospect are some obvious reasons. The Mint obviously needs all the intellectual property rights in the design in order to produce these coins. And we ran into some issues early on with some of the outside artists that were coming from the States that um, possibly they didn't have all the rights in the designs that they were putting forward. And, you know, that was very concerning for us. Um, there was another situation fairly early on in the process um, in one of the states where a local artist created a design that became very popular among the contest that the governor was running in the state for what would be the design in the state quarter. When his design was sent to the Mint, our professional artist took his design, which had been a, it was a watercolor. So it was a very abstract watercolor with the key feature being very, very small. And so our artists recreated it in a way that could become a coin. In other words, they made it, they redrew it in a way that would work on a circulating coin. And the artist was very unhappy about that, what our artists had done. And that led to some bad feelings. And after that happened, we pulled back and we said, okay, we need to revisit this process. And we decided at that point going forward that we were only going to use our own artists for this program. And um, at the same time, about, on the, about three years into the program, we developed a new program here at the Mint, which is still in existence today and still thriving today, something called the Artistic Infusion Program, where to solve the problems that we were having early on here, we went and we contracted with a pool of, outs of outside artists from all over the country. We uh, did a call for artists, a variety of art organizations, mm -hmm. and we hired under contract about 25 to 30 artists. We brought them into the Mint and we worked with them specifically on what it takes to design for a coin or metal. And with that, we then utilized them under contract to create designs for our coins and metals that we could then use. And then our artists in Philadelphia were able to take them and then sculpt them into the designs that would become the dies for the coin. This was an iterative process, but by the time we got to year four of the three state quarter program, we had gotten it down very well. And we were working very well with the governors and the states on helping uh, to work, manage expectations and to work with them so that everybody would be happy with what we were featuring on the quarters and to do it in a way that we ensured we had all the rights we needed in the designs. And then in fact, these were designs that were coinable that these were designs that were appropriate, uh, that would be that would make beautiful coins. To answer your other question, uh, yeah, there were there 
I wouldn't say there was any fighting per se, but there were some challenges. And your, your, your memory is correct. Um, mm -hmm. Both North Carolina and Ohio uh, wanted to feature the Wright brothers. Yeah. Um, and but there was the compromise was reached, as you may remember, where um, I think the, the Wright brothers, the, the Wright flyer was featured on the North Carolina quarter um, with, the, I believe, the inscription was first flight, I think. And then, and then Ohio was uh, used birthplace of aviation, mm -hmm. which included not just um, the Wright brothers, but also John Glenn and mm -hmm. and um, Neil Armstrong. Mm -hmm. And so it was a little bit broader. And so we were able to both states, I think, felt that they were being appropriately represented. Yeah, that was that was a great way to do it. It really was. But now also, and speaking of, you know, getting the rights and things like that, some of the quarters also featured people who are deceased. So mm -hmm. how did this man go about working with, with families? Yes. Well, you know, you may know that um, once somebody is deceased, they have less uh, publicity rights than they would when they're alive. And in fact, most of that is is at a state level. So certain states have more restrictions on uh, grant states of people more publicity rights than other states do. And so that's, that's an area we, we have to be careful about. But what we do is we, and it's this, this process continues today, in fact, especially with the current American Women Quarters Program. Exactly. And I can, so maybe it's best to tell you in the context of the American Women Quarters Program, uh, which we do for other programs as well, when it was a possibility, for example, of featuring Sally Ride, or Maya Angelou on the quarter. Well, the first thing that we did, and I was involved in this, is we reached out to their estates. We found out who, you know, who was the executor of their estate, who is, and whether we whether or not we legally needed to do so in every state, we worked with them to grant us a to sign a grant of rights and a release that gave us all rights that we might need to not just feature them, their their uh, honorees image on the coin, but also to work with us to give us photographs and uh, other materials that we could use in creating a design, in creating packaging materials, in creating publicity materials for the program. And uh, by and large, we have very rarely ever had any estate come and say that they didn't want to participate in this. Um, I mean, the fact is, I don't think there is any higher honor a country can bestow on one of its citizens than to feature them on circulating quench. Yeah. And so I think, and I think in, in the time that I've been here at the Mint, anytime I have reached out to a family, an heir of a potential honoree, um, they have always understood the significance of that and have been more than willing to work with us to grant us the rights and to give us the releases that we need in order to feature them. Fascinating information, right? Well, I'll stop here, but I'll be back in a few minutes and continue my conversation with Greg and the U.S. Mint and their Coins program. But while you're waiting, check out their website, usmint.gov. Back in a moment, we're going to travel with Anita and friends.
Have you ever wanted to go behind the scenes and know how our coins and our currency is made? Well, welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends, because I'm doing just that. I'm sharing my conversation with Greg Wyman, who is a senior legal counsel with the U.S. Department of Treasury. So I jump back in where he talks about making coins while you work with the families of someone deceased. It is absolutely in the Mint's interest to work with the heirs, to review the candidate designs, and to let us know which designs um, would be inappropriate, would, be, would probably be best. We asked them, how would you like your grandmother, your great-grandmother, your great-great-grandfather to be featured? Uh, do you think, historically speaking, would it make more sense for her to be featured during in her 20s when she was doing this? Or would you rather see her featured as she was when she was in her 70s at this point? And uh, then we will we will prepare a portfolio of design of po possible designs of pen and ink drawings that of the designs and they will review it and say you know um, <laughs> this one just doesn't capture her or this one just features him in a way that he would never have liked and so i don't like that one and so we ultimately the decision is the secretary of the treasury's decision and so, and there is a process for getting there. We have two different outside or, uh, uh, advisory committees that review all of our designs. The group called the Citizens Coinage Advisory Committee, the CCAC, is specifically created to review coin and metal, every coin and metal design. And so uh, at least four times a year, uh, we will, they will meet in public session. Uh, the CCAC will be reviewing and they'll be looking at all the portfolios. And by the time the portfolio gets to this committee, the families have reviewed them. Uh, potentially historians have reviewed them. Uh, they've been through a artistic review here at the Mint. They've been through a legal review to make sure that yeah. the designs are based on, on drawings or photographs that we have the rights to. They've been through, so a variety of reviews and they're ready to go. The committees will then, and so the other committee, by the way, is one called the Commission of Fine Arts, the CFA. The Commission of Fine Arts, COINS is a very small thing of what they do. They are an old committee. They review basically all architecture and public art in the District of Columbia. So all monuments, whenever you hear about a new monument going up or a new memorial, it's the CFA that they work with to review and sign off on that. The mm -hmm. CFA does not have veto authority, does not sign off, but rather we consult with the CFA. And mm -hmm. so we, we generally bring the same portfolio to them. They look at it from a little different perspective. They tend to look at our coin designs more from a purely artistic perspective. And, but the feedback of the two committees is very, very important. We take it very seriously. And uh, with that feedback in mind, as well as the feedback of the heirs, uh, as well as potentially the feedback of maybe uh, other groups that we work with, when it comes to American Women Quarters, for example, we work very closely with the Smithsonian mm -hmm. and with the National Women's History Museum and with the Bipartisan Women's Caucus in Congress. Um, all of them review it. All of them give us feedback. With all of that in mind, we will make a recommendation to the secretary. That's that, quite a process. It is. Now, the Citizens Committee... Who are the citizens? The Citizens Coin Advisory Committee is made up of 11 members. Uh, this committee was established by, by statute in uh, 2003. Of the 11 members, four of them are specialists. 
They're all appointed by the Secretary of the Treasury for four-year terms. One is a specialist in American history. One is a specialist in medallic art and sculpture. One is a specialist in numismatics, which is coin collecting. And one is a specialist in numismatic curation, so the curation of coins. Then there are three members that are appointed just from the general public in general, who represent the interests of the general public. Then there are four other members in the committee that are appointed based on the recommendation of the House and Senate leadership. So the, uh, the Speaker of the House, the Minority Leader of the House, the Majority Leader of the Senate, the Minority Leader of the Senate, whenever there's an opening, they, each of them has an opportunity to recommend somebody for appointment by the Secretary. And uh, this, many of the members of the CCAC, not all, but many of them are coin collectors and uh, have an enormous uh, breadth of numismatic history and uh, they take their role extraordinarily seriously. Back during the time when the state quarters first came out, we were all so excited. So tell me a little bit of the feedback. You shared a little bit of that, but what was the feedback from the public? I mean, school kids were collecting them. Parents yeah. were starting all kinds of ways to connect with their kids that maybe wasn't there before. And then adults, mm -hmm. we love them too. So what feedback did you get from the public? Oh, it was extraordinarily positive. And you're absolutely right. It became part of the American zeitgeist for a while that everybody was talking about the quarters. Um, and, you know, I would travel around the country and and I would meet people and say, oh, I, I, my, I'm saving the quarters or my children have the book and have a booklet and they're collecting the quarters. Um, and it was it was very, very successful. We um, the mint. We saw a 91 percent increase in the circulation of quarters. Um, it was uh, I mean, it it was very uh we generated an enormous amount of revenue from this program. And, uh, but more important, it got people interested in collecting coins. And it, it really um, changed the brand of the Mint. More, even beyond that, it was so successful, it led to the Mint developing a more robust numismatic program in general, where we came up with other numismatic items uh, special medals. Um, we utilized our authority to make unique gold coins, and um, uh, and we Congress also saw how successful this was, and they passed other programs. You may remember there was a called the Westward Journey Nickel series that yeah. we did three years of redesigned nickels on the um, the 200th anniversary of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Mm -hmm. You may remember that on the anniversary of Abraham Lincoln, um, we redesigned we redesigned the penny for a period of time. Um, and this was all because of the success of the Pity State Quarter Program. Now, I will, this is just because it's, it's an interesting note. We did learn some lessons from this as well. The Pity State Quarter Program was a 10-year program. Then it was followed, it was so successful that the U.S. territories wanted, really wanted to be honored as well. And so the next year was a program uh, honoring all five territories in the District of Columbia. Then that was followed by uh, America the Beautiful Quarters Program, where we honored national parks and national sites in every state and every territory. What we did learn from this, though, was that um, these long programs 
10 years, 11 years, 12 years programs have a downside in that children who start collecting them when they're children are adults by the time the program is over. And yeah. so they may not finish the collection. With that in mind, that's why we worked with Congress and the America the, the American Women Series program is only a four-year program. Yeah. Um, there will be another program coming up uh, on, uh, where we're, go we're going to redesign coins for the semi-quincentennial, the 250th anniversary of the country in 2026. That will be followed by a quarter that's going to uh, feature, or a program that's going to feature designs on the quarter and half dollar uh, of sports, that are youth sports, that youth play, another yeah. four-year program. So we decide that we that it's 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 probably better for our numismatic mission to go with shorter program that a you know a school child can finish. Yeah, and whole hopefully, and hopefully not just learn about American history in a new way and, and appreciate the subject matter of these programs, but finish the collection and mm. then hopefully develop an appreciation and maybe a love of coin collecting. I'll stop here, but when I come back, I have more with Greg, where we talk a little bit more about some of the quarter programs that are now featured and available for you to find in your pocket or maybe your sofa cushion. And you know what I say all the time, flip those quarters over and let Quarter Miles Travel take it from there. We'll help you turn that quarter into an adventure. Back in a moment, he'll travel with Anita and friends. travel for many reasons, but you know, we can also travel to learn more about the things that we thought we already knew. Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. And one of the things that can inspire us to do just that are the U.S. Mint's coins. They're commemorative coins, their coins programs, their medals that tells us something special about our country that makes us proud. Now I finished my conversation here on this last segment with Greg where we really dive into really what makes the coins so special to us as Americans. We take our responsibility with regard to the designs very seriously. We understand something, which is that coins are the ultimate historical record in this country. A thousand years from now, it's hard to say what will be left of all of our records that are on computers mm. and what will be left of the printed documents that we have today. But we're fairly certain that a thousand years from now, there will be anthropologists and sociologists who <laughs> will be looking at our coins. Mm -hmm. They will still be around. And when they look at our coins, they will see what was important to us as a people. Mm -hmm. What were those values that we thought were so important that we literally put them on our coinage? Yeah. And we know this because there are sociologists and anthropologists today who are looking at coins from a thousand years ago. And they're having the same conversation. With that responsibility in mind, we spend an enormous amount of time making sure that our coins are accurate. That if we're going to feature an airplane on the coin, it's a, a historically accurate airplane. That if we're going to feature an historical event and somebody is wearing a uniform from the War of 1812, it's an accurate uniform from the War of 1812. That, you know, it's because we, 
we understand the significance. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, is that, you know, the state quarters design took us from just taking that quarter out of our pocket and using it to buy something to almost every time you take it out. I know for me, I'm always flipping it over just to see what's on the other side. <laughs> we've turned the, right, we, we've helped uh, turn the country into a nation of numismatists, of, of coin collectors. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move into the America the Beautiful quarters because I really enjoy, have, I'm enjoying them. I'm doing shows on them now. But how involved were the states? Interesting. Um, they were involved in a slightly different way. There was a first. There was a very big upfront responsibility when the program began. Unlike the 50 state quarter program, where we simply honored each state in the order in which it joined the union. So that's why Delaware was first, and Hawaii was the last quarter issued. When it came to America the Beautiful, we the quarters were by law to be issued in the order in which the national parks or national sites uh, honored when they were first designated as a national park or national site. So in order to do that, we had to know what all of them were going to be up front. So oh, wow. we had to know we didn't know what all 50 states plus the five territories plus the District of Columbia, we needed all 56 honor, honored sites right up front. And so we would know what order in order to issue the quarters. So the first thing we did was we went to every governor uh, and the mayor of the District of Columbia, and we said, here is the new program. Here are the parameters. We need you to give us three options. Give us three national parks or national sites, and we helped explain what the criteria was. And then we would, using those three, we made some recommendations to the secretary within the Mint because it was important that it be a program that was diverse. We, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a very exciting program if every quarter was a national forest. We looked for national sites and national parks that had something unique about them. Maybe there was a unique historical event like the Tuskegee Airmen uh, mm-hmm. National Monument, or maybe it was a, uh, unique, um, a, um, a unique site such as Fort McHenry in in Maryland. Or maybe it was just there was some very interesting flora or some very interesting fauna in the park that would make a beautiful coin. In, well, Georgia, we had the snowy white egret. Yes, beautiful birds. And we did that because we had the flexibility. And so, yes, we worked, we asked all the governors to give us three options. We then made some decisions based on those. We reviewed them. We figured out which ones were actually uh, appropriate national sites or national parks that met the criteria of the legislation, and then we create we came up with a list, and that was eventually selected by the secretary, and that and then we we did a lot of research to make sure we got the date exactly right as to when was the appropriate date that it became a national park or national site or I should say was first designated mm-hmm. as a protected site, mm-hmm. and so once we did that we came up with a chronology list. And we knew what the order was going to be, and we got to work. When it came time for the designs, uh, unlike the 50 state quarter program, where we worked primarily with the governor's office, in this program, we worked primarily with the National Park Service uh, or the um, Fish and Wildlife Service um, or the National Forest Service. And we worked with the site itself to come up with the designs. And we did involve the governor's offices but they had a lesser role because they weren't the featured stakeholder. The featured stakeholder was the site itself. We wanted to make sure that they had a 
a significant role in making sure that we featured the site in a way that was appropriate, historically accurate, et cetera. American Women Quarters program is exceeding our expectations right now. Well, let's jump in and talk about that because I am so excited about it. And, you know, reading some of the comments that um, are coming up, like on social media, things like that, you know, people are talking about that they're learning about American women that yes. they didn't even know existed. So it's Isn't such that amazing. Isn't that wonderful? Amazing. And it's definitely, definitely wonderful. No, it's wonderful. We worked very closely um, with, the, so with the Smithsonian and the National Women's History Museum. They were just wonderful to work with. They provided experts. They really gave an enormous amount of thought to what this program should be. And, you know, we only had 20 spots. You could honor 20 women, five a year for four years. And so how do you choose 20 women out of all of the prominent American women? We received over 11,000 names into the portal that was set up by the National Women's History Museum. And they gave an enormous amount of thought as to how to find the right mix, how to, you know, the term I think was often used was how to curate a list of women that really spoke to the diversity of America. Mm -hmm. And not only it includes women that were very well known, like Sally Ride, Maya Angelou, also includes women that many Americans might never have heard about, mm -hmm. but were very significant. Uh, the first year was you know, included Anna Mae Wong. If you, if you were in a certain demographic, you might have known a lot about Anna Mae Wong, but many other Americans had never heard of her. So they heard her story and mm -hmm. it was like, oh, wow, well, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's, and we have now, through our coinage, through honoring her on a quarter, millions of Americans now know not just who Anna Mae Wong is, but what her story was. Yeah, how significant she was. The same thing goes for Nina Tara Warren, a uh, a suffragette from Latina suffragette from New Mexico, or Wilma Mankiller, the first um, woman uh, chief of the Cherokee Nation. Um, yeah. So this is what a wonderful program this is. Really bring these wonderful women into the spotlight. You know, educate Americans who they were, how they lived their life, and how significant they were to help all Americans feel invested in our country. Mm -hmm. You know, they can look at their coinage and say, yes, this reflects me. This reflects my, this is my country. Not yes. only am I seeing pictures of presidents or of war heroes, but I'm seeing pictures of people who look like me and, you know, have the same values. And that's really, what a wonderful thing that is. Well, you know, I say all the time, quarters, you know, the state quarters, they're featuring things that people can travel and go and see. Mm -hmm. Even beyond that, and especially now with the introduction of the American Women series, that it's it's all about a sense of pride in our country is really the bottom line of so it. It really, really creates a sense of pride and for us to learn about, you know, our own homeland, our own nation, and the people that made a difference, the places that make a difference and and all of that. It's just it's really, really a great way to enhance the sense of pride uh, in Absolutely. our country. And I think hopefully through the quarter programs, uh, Americans will, especially young Americans, especially, but maybe all Americans will, you know, take a step back, pull the lens back a little bit and look at some of the other programs we do at the Mint. The yeah. wonderful uh, commemorative coins we do every year um, that uh, honor this this past year, um, there was a commemorative coin honoring Purple Heart recipients and mm -hmm. uh, another uh, wonderful commemorative coin program honoring the centennial of Negro Leagues baseball. 
-hmm. And there was, uh, and so, and not to mention all the amazing congressional gold medals that people from all walks of American life. And so hopefully this will give people an opportunity to really learn about the country through what we feature on our coins and medals. To hear more about quarter mouse travel, check out my website, travelwithanita.com. And check out the U.S. Mint at usmint.gov. Thanks for joining me today. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Travel with Anita. For more, log on to her website, travelwithanita with two N's.com. And listen to her award-winning podcast, Quarter Miles Travel, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Anita will be back in two weeks with another exciting adventure for you and your travel buddies. So keep those passports updated. And remember to always travel safe and travel smart. Right, Jack? Uh, uh, uh.